Welcome to Clickhole Wednesday, a casual hump day hangout that takes less time to edit than my other shit. Hello, donuts and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of starting with a random suggestion of yours or a random article on Wikipedia and clicking our way to whatever point B may be. Last week, we went from a tiny French town called Saint-Jean-Saint-Nicolas to Elvis's favorite roller coaster, the Zippin Pippin, which Interestingly enough, was actually relocated from Memphis to Green Bay. I also find it really interesting that Elvis actually had a favorite roller coaster and was particularly passionate about it, but there you have it. Anyway, we got two suggestions for where to start today, so be sure at the end of this video to leave another suggestion for next week to throw in the hat. The two suggestions we got, one is from NNHK00. If you're looking for a good jumping off point, may I suggest the best random discovery I've ever made on Wikipedia? What I find particularly interesting is the crazy solutions they come up with. And it goes to Human Interference Task Force. And we also received one from XSVIN. Well, what a pleasant surprise on a Wednesday. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I will say for next time, I have always been partial to this story. And it's the Dancing Plague of 1518. Thank you both for your contributions. Uh, in order to keep things fair, we're going to be using a random name picker. Our two options being Get Jiggy with the Plague or Get Dramatic with CIA Sounding Intrigue. And whichever doesn't make it to today's starting point will be thrown back into the hat next week. So let's pick something random. And the winner is Get Jiggy with the Plague. So that's what we're going to do. Get dramatic with CIA sounding intrigue. We'll be back next week. So, Dancing Plague it is. Okay, Dancing Plague of 1518. The Dancing Plague of 1518 was a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, Alsace, now modern-day France, in the Holy Roman Empire in July 1518. Somewhere between 50 and 400 people took to dancing for days. What? The outbreak began when a woman began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. Historical documents including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council are clear that the victims danced. It is not known why they just all started dancing, just out of nowhere. Historical sources agree that there was an outbreak of dancing. <laughs> an outbreak of dancing. Why couldn't we have had that this year? Why couldn't... 2020 have been marked by an outbreak of dancing. That would have just been so much better. Anyway, there was an outbreak after a single woman began it all. Well, isn't that the tale of time? A group of mostly young women joined in and the dancing did not seem to die down. I, wow, this is really surreal. It lasted for such a long time that it attracted the, the attention of the Strasbourg magistrate and bishop and some number of doctors ultimately intervened, putting the afflicted in hospital. How did, what, did they like lasso them and then chuck them in a wagon and bring, force them to go to hospital? Or did, did they keep dancing while they were lying down? Many questions, many, many questions. Controversy. Controversy exists over whether people ultimately dance to their deaths, possibly killed around 15 people per day, but the city at the time didn't mention the number of deaths or even if there were fatalities. Interesting. Would they want to admit that people were dying from dancing or, I don't know, interesting. There do not appear to be any sources contemporaneous to the events that make note of any fatalities. Okay, the main source for this claim comes from John Waller. Um, let's see, sources see sites mention that deaths were all from later retellings. That sounds like people making shit up. There also is uncertainty around the identity of the initial dancer and the number of dancers involved. You know, maybe, maybe this was the first, you know, one of those really annoying dance mobs that used to happen a few years ago. Maybe that was the first one and people just thought, you know what, you're mentally ill and you are hereby being dragged away. Modern theories, food poisoning, 
Not any food poisoning I've ever had. Don't know about you, but I have not had any food poisoning that made me dance like that. Caused by psychoactive chemical products of fungi, which grows commonly on grains such as rye used for breaking bread. Is that interesting that everybody would have the same trip? Don't people generally have a different trip when they take psychoactive, you know, compounds? Except maybe like DMT. People tend to have the same trip. I've been watching too much Shorogan, can you tell? Anyway, oh, LSD, what do you know? The same fungus has been implicated in other major historical anomalies, including the Salem witch trials. Although ergot alone would not cause unusual behavior or hallucinations, except when combined with opiates. Interesting. John Waller, shady John Waller, I don't trust this character. Theory doesn't seem tenable since it is unlikely that those poisoned by ergot could have danced for days at a time. Hmm. It also fails to explain why virtually every outbreak occurred somewhere along the Rhine and Moselle rivers, areas linked by water, but with quite different climates and crops. Okay, well, okay, it's probably not food poisoning or stress-induced mass hysteria. That sounds like something that could happen these days. This could have been a florid example of psychogenic movement disorder happening in mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness, which involves many individuals suddenly exhibiting the same bizarre behavior. Behavior spreads rapidly and broadly in an epidemic pattern. Is this, uh, is this something we may feel soon? It seems like something that may occur in the near future. Dancing with stress-induced psychosis on a mass level, since the region where people danced was riddled with starvation and disease, and the inhabitants tended to be superstitious. Seven other cases of dancing plague were reported in the same region during the medieval era. Maybe they were just sick partiers, man. Psychogenic illness could have created a chorea, situation compromising random and intricate and unintentional movements that flit from body part to body part. That's a random generator for dancing. Wow. Well, thank you for the suggestion, Xsvin. This was this was fascinating. See also Sidenum's chorea and the Tanganyika laughter epidemic. I'm gonna go with laughter epidemic on this one. That sounds like a good segue. We could have also done with this this year, but I guess somebody's got to be unlucky. All right. The Tanganyika laughter epidemic of 1962 was an outbreak of mass hysteria. Rumoured to have occurred in or near the village of Kashasha on the western coast of Lake Victoria in Tanganyika, which, once united with Zanzibar, became the modern nation of Tanzania near the border with Uganda. History. Laughter epidemic began on January 30th at a mission-run boarding school for girls. It's always the girls. What can I say? We bring the fun. Started with three girls and spread throughout the school, affecting 95 of 159 pupils. Those 64... I wonder about them. Age 12 to 18, symptoms lasted for a few hours to 16 days. Wow, teaching staff were unaffected. Students were unable to concentrate on their lessons and the school closed. The epidemic spread. By April and May, 217 mostly young villagers had laughing attacks. The school was sued for allowing the children and their parents to transmit it to the surrounding area. How dare you laugh? How dare you have a good time en masse? Other schools were affected to some degree. 18 months after it started, the phenomenon died off. Laughter reports were widely accompanied by descriptions of fainting, flatulence, respiratory problems, rashes, crying, and screaming. That is not sounding like a, a laughter epidemic anymore. I think laughter is, that's positive thinking. Causes, stress-induced. Wow, everything's stress-induced. You know what stress really is the number one killer? Even if it makes you laugh yourself to death. 
Tanganyika had just won its independence. Students who had reported feeling stressed because of higher expectations by parents and teachers. Mass psychogenic illness, he says, usually occurs in people without a lot of power. Oh, that's interesting, because that would be the same as the dancing plague. It was people who were battling starvation and disease. So it's a last resort for people of low status. It's an easy way for them to express that something is wrong. That's a creepy way to do it, just cackling in a group. Damn. Bartholomew and Wesley both put forward a culture-specific epidemic hysteria hypothesis pointing out that the occurrences in 1960s Africa were prevalent in missionary schools and Tanganyikan society. It's ruled by strict traditional elders. Oh, cultural dissonance. Interesting. Wow. Let's learn more about Kashasha. No sources! Oh dear, I've come to- Okay, now it's gonna get weird. Okay, it's a village on the western coast of Lake Victoria near the border of Uganda, and that's all it's known for, is the laughter epidemic. Wow. Okay, I took us to a dead end. Um, right, let's go to, um, the Muleba district. I've really fucked us. Okay. It's one of six districts of the Kagera region of Tanzania. 386,000 people live there as of 2002. Okay, let's pick another ward. Kibanga. Oh, this is quite, okay, this is quite fleshed out. Formerly Lavisheryville. Lavisheryville? Love. Yep, okay, we'll go with that. It's a settlement in the Congo. The White Fathers founded the first mission station on the west of the lake at Mulweba in 1880. White Fathers is an interesting name for a missionary group. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of weird, isn't it? Let's go for it. Do they literally call themselves White Fathers? Missionaries of Africa, commonly known as the White Fathers, or Society of the Missionaries of Africa, are a Roman Catholic society of apostolic life. Founded in 1868, they focus on evangelism and education mostly in Africa. Is it literally called White Fathers because there are a bunch of white guys coming in? It's for men only. Obviously. White Fathers. Um, Claire Epidemic, 1867, left a large number of Algerian orphans. And the education and Christian instruction of these children was the occasion of the founding of the society in Maison Carré near Algiers. But from its inception, the founder had in mind the conversion of the Arabs and the peoples of Central Africa. Why can't people just let people be? I just, I don't know. Lavigerie instructed his missionaries to speak the language of the people, eat the same food and wear the same clothing. That is interesting. You don't see that that often. That's probably a good tactic. They therefore adopted the North African dress, the gandura, the Arab cloak, and the chechia, with it as a religious sign a rosary worn around the neck like a necklace. The nickname White Fathers derives from their garb. Oh, does it? Yes. Yes, I, I feel like it may also derive from something else, but um, we'll continue on. White Father missionaries in Algeria ransomed a young slave, Adrian Atiman, and arranged for his education. Atiman subsequently became a medical catechist with the white fathers at karima it's a catechist i'm just gonna look that up quickly if you don't mind catechist a teacher of the principles of christian religion especially when using a catechism what is a catechism <laughs> what is that show me catechism summary of the principles of christian religion in the form of questions and answers interesting okay you learn something new every day. Doesn't count as part of the click hole because it wasn't a link in Wikipedia. Okay, so Ataman subsequently became a medical catechist and was responsible for a significant autobiographical account of his enslavement, subsequent freedom and integration into the White Father's mission. I wonder if this guy has any sordid 
background. You know, sometimes these leadership characters aren't always what they seem to be, so I think let's find out more about this guy. This French Cardinal, Archbishop of Carthage, and Algiers and Primate of Africa. He established all the missionary work, he promoted Catholicism, he was equally ardent to transform them into French subjects. See? It was political. He crusaded against the slave trade. No, nothing quite juicy. Um, it seems like he was on a mission from birth to convert and advance his agenda. This is interesting. Later years of his life were spent in ardent anti-slavery propaganda and his eloquence moved large audiences. And he hoped by organizing fraternity of armed laymen as pioneers to restore fertility to the Sahara. But this community did not succeed and was dissolved before his death. That's interesting, he tried to make the Sahara fertile land. Hmm, where do we go now? Catholic Youth Sports Associations of French Algeria, that's oddly specific. Okay, let's attempt to get out of this missionary stuff. Let's go somewhere really general. Um, why is further south a link? Oh, sub-Saharan Africa. Sure, why not? Here we go. Okay. I'm just looking for something interesting to click on to get out of sub-Saharan Africa into something more specific. Wow, look at this castle in Ethiopia. That's pretty awesome. Facilities? Facilides? Fas- Hmm, don't know how to pronounce it. Let's go there, though. Facilgebi is the remains of a fortress city in Gondar, Ethiopia. That is cool. What a neat structure. So it was founded in the 17th century and was the home of Ethiopia's emperors. Its unique architecture shows diverse influences, including Nubian styles. Gebi is the word for compound or enclosure. Interesting that it kind of sounds like the Arabic word for idiot, I think. Gebi? Arabic. I think it means idiot. Stupid. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's... That's kind of funny, but obviously not related. Ooh, they've made 3D models of it and terrestrial laser scanning. That's kind of cool. Let's just take a side note here. Wow, yeah, there is a 3D model. Look at that. Oh wow, you can explore the 3D model of the castle. That's a cool project. Can I zoom in? Yes, I can. Oh, okay, well, it's not that easy to... Uh, <laughs> Oh, we are breaking it. Okay, well, that, that is cool. It's not that easy to manipulate, but it is very cool. Covers 70,000 square meters. That's enormous. God, that's way bigger than it looks. My gosh, this is quite complex. Empress Mentewab. Let's find out about her. 1706 to 1773, Empress of Ethiopia, consort of Emperor Bakafa. There she is, painted almost like the... Virgin Mary and Jesus, that's really interesting. She was rumored to have a Portuguese grandparent and because of this she was often suspected of harboring secret Roman Catholic sympathies. Wow. Following the death of her husband, she took up a romantic liaison with her late husband's nephew. Wouldn't that also be technically her nephew as well? Much younger lover was derisively called Melmal Iasu, Iasu the Kept. <laughs> what a diss. And she had three daughters with him. And so that was her castle, that Fazil Gebi. She built a church in Egypt. She was quite a builder. She built a lot of things. Built several significant structures. She was crowned co-ruler with her son. 
and she held unprecedented power over government during his reign. Her attempt to continue in this role following the death of her son led her into conflict with Wubit, her son's widow, who believed that it was her turn to preside at the court of her own son. Conflict between these two queens led to Mentoweb summoning her Quaran relatives and their forces to Gondar for support. Holy shit! Wubit responded by summoning her own Oromo relatives and their considerable forces from Yeju. Mentoweb summoned the powerful Mikhail Sahul, who was to become her son-in-law, to mediate and dis the dispute and prevent a bloodbath. And then he seized power for himself! Oh my god, what a drama! And eventually engineered the murder by strangulation of her son! What? This is some Game of Thrones level shit. And then he married his aunt. What the f- Okay, hold on. Oh my god, this is such a clusterfuck. Obviously she was distraught at the murder of her grandson. She retreated to Kusquam and buried her grandson there next to her son and refused to return to the city of Gondar. She lived at her palace there in seclusion till the end of her life. What a way to go. Wow, so she had quite a powerful early life and then it ended in absolute Game of Thrones red wedding mess. Okay, maybe not that dramatic. But there was some serious intrigue and murder going on. Wow, that that's a juicy one. That is a very juicy life. Where do we go from here? I want to find out more about this. Let's go to her grandson. Oh boy, this is very detailed. <laughs> oh my god, this is way more detailed than it was on Mentor Orb's page. Ras Mikhail Sehul, who sounds like Jafar in this situation. And he convinced him to support some other figures, some other exiled kings and governors, which did not end well for them. Enter some civil war going on, my god. Anyway, the result of this sort of civil war situation, his uncle dies. So Eoas went to Ras Mikhail Sehul for help. He had established himself as the most powerful lord of Ethiopia, at one point having amassed some 6,000 matchlocks. It's a matchlock first mechanism invented to facilitate the firing of a handheld firearm. Before this, firearms had to be fired by applying a lit match to the priming powder. Oh, like a cannon. Oh boy. Six times the total number in the rest of Ethiopia. So he's like the industrial military complex in one man for the time. So Ras Mikhail, who was the weapons dealer of the time, essentially, um, was supposed to come fix that. And I don't know why they thought he would fix that. He's only there to benefit. He took control of the city sources of water and every entrance with intent to terrify, but to do no more. And then just basically said, I control everything, so I'm ruler. Okay, so yeah, Marion Barrio, the sort of opposition in this story, in this civil war, was defeated and severely wounded in a battle. And then he got murdered. They assumed EOS was going to pardon the leader of the opposition because he was so pathetic looking and so injured and weakened and clearly had lost. But instead he kills him. And even <laughs> EOS's own officers were so shocked they allowed other captives to escape. Wow, a very severe bit of honor was broken, a bit of trust and honor was broken here. So Ras Mikhail, um, or Michael, I suppose. I keep pronouncing it Mikhail. We're just going to go with whatever pronunciation I come with at this point. His dislike for Iowas increased, so he deposed him and then mysteriously had him killed. Although the details of his death are contradictory, the result was clear. For the first time, an emperor had lost his throne in a means other than his own natural death. 
death in battle or voluntary abdication. Mikhail Sahul had compromised the power of the emperor and from this point forward it lay ever more openly in the hands of the great nobles and military commanders. So grandmother Mentawab and his mother Wubit were devastated at the death, at his death. And then that's where she fucked off. She lived through the next three reigns, but played a minimal role in them. Yeah, but she was like, I'm out, man. This is way too much. That is fascinating. Let's check out Gondor. What's it like today? There it is. I keep thinking of Gondor in Lord of the Rings. It's got it's got around 300,000 people in it. Oh, and there's the castle, the famous castle. It's really beautiful, actually. I love these preserved buildings. The style's really cool. Crowds gather to celebrate Timkat, the epiphany for the Ethiopian Orthodox Tiwahedo Church. That's really pretty. I'm into the aesthetics. Ah, the 3D laser scanners! That must have been a big project, it's everywhere. Very proud of that, clearly. <laughs> Downtown Gondar shows the influence of the Italian occupation of the late 1930s. Main piazza features shops, a cinema, and other public buildings in a simplified Italian modern style. Still distinctively of the period, despite later changes and frequently neglect. That's a shame. Looks cool. Corvallis, Oregon is a sister city? That seems very random. They have castles. Well, I think we'll end this click hole Wednesday here. We started with the Dancing Plague, thanks to XS Vin, uh, which was started by some very excitable young ladies. And we ended with Gondar in Ethiopia, which one could argue has history rooted in also an excitable young lady. If you enjoyed this click hole Wednesday, please be sure to leave a like and subscribe and leave a suggestion to throw in the random pick a hat for next time. Human Interference Task Force will definitely be going back in there. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Until next Wednesday, stay tuned for a regular video with a bit more editing um, on Saturday. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.